Uh, hi, hi, Bacon Warrior listeners. This is Spartan Dog ninety seven. Uh, we're recording late night on a Monday. Uh, Lucas is practically dead. Um, Scotty Hazelton is practically dead. Uh, the The Buffalo Bills are a wagon. Um, and welcome to the show. We have uh, we have Asa from Touchlines and Touchdowns returning. The, returning serve from when we were on his pod um, earlier in the year. Yeah, sorry for the delay, Asa, when you listen to this afterwards. Uh, (laughs) So we figured it would just be best for me to get all my shit out before Asa comes on the pod so we can have a a productive discussion. So uh, Carter is muted. Um, Wise choice. He can pipe in whenever. Uh, Lucas, I'm letting you go, man. Lucas is also here slightly out of frame to the left. Uh, And let's get right into it. Uh, Of all the fucking things I could be right about, all the fucking stupid shit I say that I could be right about, it has to be that Scotty Hazleton is a shitty defensive coordinator and should be fired. Like, what the fuck? No. You know... You go out, right, and you go get 47,000 linebackers and edge rushers in the transfer portal. And you only get one cornerback. You go up there and you say you knew you had a matchup disadvantage. Anyone who's been watching MSU football for a year, for anyone who's been watching MSU football, knew exactly who he was talking about. There cannot be anyone worse in pass coverage than Chester Kimbrough. And if there isn't, Harlan Barnett needs to be fired six months ago. He is slow off the first step. Gets beaten. Doesn't even have the good sense to commit P.I. It's 15 yards. Just eat it. That's why the NFL had to transition to a spot foul. Eat it. And this bend don't break bullshit that was popular when the Patriots did it. It was the Patriots got away with it because they had good players. Matt Patricia is a dog shit football coach. That's why he did it. Because he sucks. He's a dog. He was a dog shit defensive coordinator, a dog shit head coach, and now it's pretty obvious he's a dog shit offensive coordinator. And you're gonna copy his scheme? His scheme didn't work. Every day that Scotty Hazelton remains as defensive coordinator for MSU football is a day is a day where the football team gets actively worse. You don't have the guys. I understand. I can can commiserate with you, right? DBs don't enter the portal as frequently as wide receivers and running backs. I understand that. You're not going to find the defensive back equivalent of Kenneth Walker. Fine. 
but there's got to be someone on that fucking team or even on MSU's fucking campus, 50,000 fucking undergrad students. There has to be someone better than Chester Kimbrough. Has to be. Has to be. Has to be. Has to be. Throw Montori Foster back there. I don't give a fuck. I don't. I fail. 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 To understand why we keep using this broken goddamn system. Fail. It is a failure. It's a failure on Harlan Barnett. It's a failure on Scotty Hazleton. And ultimately, it's a failure on Mel Tucker. Tanner Morgan is 37 years old. He is rolling into Spartan Stadium this weekend without, without his number one wide receiver. If Tanner Morgan throws for over 270 yards, I do not care if we win the game 59-0. That is another failure. Scotty Hazleton cannot remain defensive coordinator. Harlan Barnett cannot remain the defensive backs coach. Every second that they are there, the team continues to get worse. They continue to get worse. I cannot fathom any, I cannot fathom any championship level program who, where they would watch that performance on Saturday and go, let's see how the rest of the season shakes out. Lincoln Riley knifed his mentor's brother because he knew it's what championship programs should do. He took a chance on a guy who came highly recommended. He failed. It happens. It happens in business. It happens in sports. Fucking own it, Mel. Can him. It's over. I appreciate the position you were in. I appreciate you bringing Harlan back. At the time, that was the right choice. It has not worked out. It is time for them to go. Scotty Hazleton is the worst recruiter on staff. And Mel has said since the beginning, if you cannot recruit at Michigan State, you cannot recruit anywhere. The longer they stay on staff, the less it is about them and the more it is about Mel. Championship-level coaches don't put up with this bullshit. They don't. It's time to make a goddamn decision. You guys are well, Asa, welcome. Asa, welcome. Mid-rant. We'll, we'll, uh, let you, we'll let you go next. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, my view of it and my view of the past defense over the last two years is fairly simple. Um, Harlan Barnett didn't forget how to coach. 
Harlan Barnett turned Arjun Colhoun and Darian Hicks into a playoff caliber uh, cornerback pairing. If I remember correctly, uh, those were the yeah. two who were, who were there. Um, Harlan Barnett didn't forget how to coach defensive backs and Mel Tucker didn't forget how to coach defense. So I look, I, I've never loved, I never loved the Scotty Hazleton hire. Um, even, even at the time I, I thought four two five. like I'm, I'm, I'm just D'Antonio'd enough to say like, I don't know, you know, having a nickel, blah, 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 whatever. The point of the shift this offseason was that Chester Kimbrough was going to play the nickel. We were going to sacrifice some in the running game, um, but we weren't going to get shredded. And Michael Penix and the Kalen DeBoer looked at Chester Kimbrough and said, every time, every time we're going after 12, to the point where Justin White had to come in. And, you know, he, he played fine for a guy who's a walk-on who shouldn't be playing. Um, but, you know, and, and no disrespect to Justin White, I thought he played uh, reasonably well. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that if you are Mel Tucker, if you are Harlan Barnett, um, this defense that you're running, this 4-2-5 that relies on, on what seemed to be high school level spot drops in zone coverage. And um, Bill Connolly had, you know, he has his like write-up thing. The, the success rate versus zone as opposed to man is, is ridiculous. Um, and so the thing is, is that they couldn't play man because Chester Kimbrough couldn't stay with his guy and they couldn't play zone because we're apparently bad at it. Um, so I, I think, look, I think Scotty Hazleton has call it three games. Um, you've got Minnesota, you've got Maryland, you've got Ohio state. Two out of those three teams are really, really excited to play Michigan State secondary. Um, Minnesota's Minnesota. I mean, I don't, you know, whatever. Uh, Tanner Lee Morgan, I, I, it's, it's the same guy. I don't care. Um, but, but little Tua and CJ Stroud are, are just sort of licking their chops. And if he figures it out, cool, great. If not, I mean, I, I don't see a reason why you don't make a call to a certain guy in Cincinnati who used to be pretty good at coaching defense. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that, that Tress would come back, but he's, you know, he's there. I, I, I think the idea is, is that Michigan state was known for a really long time for a very specific type of defense. And that type of defense still works. It would work better with, with the athletes that, that Mel's bringing in. If you're telling me that a mere speed can't do, you know, quarters coverage in the Narduzzi D'Antonio sense, you're lying. Um, so the question is, why is he playing 10 yards off? Why is Ronald Williams playing 10 yards off? Why is Chuck Brantley playing 10 yards off? It, it's fear. It's just fear. And if you are afraid of Michael Penix and Giles Jackson and, and whoever else Washington had out there, I've got some very bad news, you know? So, I mean, look, from my point of view, uh, I, I saw a lot of fight in that team, but the fact of the matter is, is that without your best defensive tackle, and I would say your best defensive player, um, without your best linebacker, without your best safety, you have to scheme yourself into wins defensively. And they didn't, they didn't bring pressure. They didn't get up in people's faces. They just sort of let Michael Penix take time. And I don't know if you guys remember the last time we played Michael Penix, or at least the, the last time I remember it, 
he had like 27 passes completed in a row because we were playing 15 yards off the entire time. Um, I, I don't know how you let a guy like that get into, get into rhythm. You know, look, CJ Stroud hit you over the top five different times. Fine. You live with it. Okay. But nobody else should be given that much respect and that much deference. Those wide receivers are not Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr. They are good. They're good. They're not great. <laughs> they're, day great two, di- they're day two, day three talent. Absolutely. They are NFL talent that will probably make a roster and probably won't last much, much, much longer than their second season. Um, so look, if you want to be who, who you think you are, then this isn't it. And it's not on the guys. That's the point. That's the thing that I keep coming back to. Amir Speed didn't forget how to play cornerback. You know, these, these guys are not being put in positions to be successful. Now, some of that is, is I think that we have uh, a safety issue um, that we have had for a couple of years now. Um, look, I love Xavier Henderson. He is an awesome box safety. When he's not there, you have to have someone playing in the box who doesn't want to do it. And Angelo Gross is not it. Like, I, I, I just, like, I, I like him. I like the whole thing. I like that, that, that he tries really hard. He's not fast enough to stay with people and he's not big enough to make up for it. Um, and that's not a slight on the kid. It's not a kid's fault to be put in a position to fail. Um, you know, so, so, you know, he's, he's someone who, who I think as like a true nickel um, would have, would have been, would have been successful, but um, Jaden Mangum and, and Kendall Brooks and, and Dylan Tatum and whoever else needs to grow up for these next nine games. Um, it has to happen and it has to happen in a hurry because, you know, Minnesota aside, um, you've got the two scariest passing attacks that you're going to face uh, October 1st and October 8th. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not as committed to Scott, Scotty Hazleton needs to go this week, but I think you're going to learn a lot about this team and, and this program, um, Mel Tucker on down uh, on October 9th. We will know a lot more about what we, what, you know, it's really easy to say we're going to bring a national championship to Michigan State and to East Lansing. It's really hard to fire a guy in October. And, you know, Mark D'Antonio didn't do it. He, he, he was loyal to his guys. I don't think Scotty Hazleton is Mel Tucker's guy. He's a guy who he went out and got, but I don't, I, I just, I just don't know that this has ever been a schematic fit. I don't know if, if it's the right guy. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I think that it would be very interesting to see um, who is currently Alabama or Georgia's linebackers coaches and see if they wouldn't mind a, a pay raise and a job title promotion um, to come North, because that's, that's where, that's where you need to start looking. Um, not, not what we're currently doing. Yeah. Very well said. Um, before I echo you guys' sentiment, because I definitely agree with a lot of what you both said, I do. I will give a little bit of credit to that Washington team. I mean, they did look very good against us for a lot of points in that game. I didn't actually watch. I didn't watch. I I didn't watch the game live. Um, but I did not li- either. I went to a concert. It was a great decision. I went to my sister's <laughs> wedding. It was fun. Um, I had family game night, so it was on in the background. But I'm like. Nope. I was going to say, I'm kind of glad we all kind of very quickly realized like (laughs) good that we don't have to watch this, but what I will say, it was like a ricochet shot at me, Carter. (laughs) What I will say is that 
looking at some of the numbers, like it wasn't a Michael Penix that it, that was not the Michael Penix that we had seen in years. And what we had thought is that we expected that we weren't going to see the Michael Penix that we saw in years. That's what we had said, I think, on the pod the previous week. What we didn't expect is to see an even better Michael Penix than we had seen the last couple of years. That was what actually caught us off guard because Michael Penix was not throwing deep bombs against against those Michigan State teams of the past. He was just hitting those shallow crossers that that uh, D'Antonio's crude and Mel's first year, basically D'Antonio scraps, didn't know how to defend. Now they're attacking us in a completely different way. And you got to give Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer a lot of credit for that. They knew where Michigan State's weaknesses were and they went right at them. That being said, that is, again, a huge indictment on Scotty Hazleton. Like, it's very, very clear that this scheme does not work. It only works when you're playing the bottom of the Big Ten and like these Mac level teams. You're not going to, you're not going to be a championship level team if you are not putting your corners in a position to succeed. If you're having them play this scheme where they're playing 10, 15 yards off and trying to keep these receivers in front of them. And it's, and it's, and it's like what, and it's like what Asa said um, about like, why is Amir speed playing, playing the zone coverage? Why is Ronald Williams playing the zone coverage? These are man. These are man corners. Amir speed is six foot four. He can stick in the pocket of any of these receivers. In fact, some of them, he can probably even engulf with his size. Chuck Brantley is smaller, but is somebody who is going to stick with his receiver and he's going to hit them hard. Ronald Williams is still a little bit learning the position, trying to get, you know, healthy and trying to have consistency um, from that position. But again, from what I saw from him scheme, you know, aside, there were some pretty solid things on tape from Ronald Williams as the season went on uh, before the secondary, you know, went to shit and all got hurt. So it's, so it's very clear to me that it's a scheme thing team. You are not going to win a lot. You're not going to be a championship level team if you are putting these corners who would specialize in a certain way in a position where they cannot play to the best of their abilities, play to their strengths. And that is an indictment on Scotty Hazelton because it's like Asa said, Mel Tucker didn't forget how to coach a defense. Harlan Barnett didn't forget how to coach the secondary. It's very clearly because another thing is that it wasn't just the secondary that I think didn't play very well uh, on, on Saturday. It was also the defensive line and it, and a little bit cause Slade wasn't there, but that's no excuse. There's a lot of depth at that position that they can throw at Washington, but they didn't make Michael Penix uncomfortable. They only, they did not blitz ever. They only rushed for most of the time. The linebackers were mostly just out of position and, you know, the middle of the field was wide open. That was something Spartan dog was worried about um, earlier in the season is or earlier in that week uh, is that the middle of the field was going to be wide open. And it was softer than baby shit. The middle of the field was softer than baby shit. This team does not apply pressure and the best defenses apply pressure. This defense sags off and plays zone a majority of the time. And yes, they can't really play man because Kimbrough got picked on quite a bit, but they don't play uh, Kimbrough. Don't exactly. Play he can't play. He can't play. And if he does, and if he can't play, if he can't play that position, if he's on the outside, that's not where he was supposed to be. You very clearly found a role for him in the slot. 
So if he's on the outside getting abused, why is he in that position again? That is a coaching problem because we've seen Kimbrough be effective in the slot. So, and I think something that we can potentially look at as a positive is the fact that Mel is loyal to no one. He said that there were personnel changes coming. And I don't know if that's Hazleton. I don't know if it's Harlan Barnett. I don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he relinquishes some of the coaching the corners to someone else, but it will change. And I think what we have seen from Tucker is that he will make the changes necessary when things are not working. You get it a little bit last year when maybe, you know, against Ohio state, when CJ Stroud had maybe the most CJ Stroud in Ohio state had maybe the most perfect half of football. I think I've ever seen, um, you get it a little, a little bit just because of the fact that, you know, there was one healthy corner on the roster and, and just, you know, Ohio state is who they are. You're playing, you're playing, uh, what th- three, two or three top 12 picks on that offense, or at least that went in this draft and then will be more in this upcoming draft. But this year, I don't really think there's any excuse, especially when you've added more talent to what appeared to be what you wanted for your scheme fit, but that clearly isn't the case. And it kind of goes back to what Spartan Doug said about Scotty Hazleton not being a good recruiter, because clearly he's not adding the players that fit his scheme. Uh, So at that point, you know, it's definitely on him. I don't think his scheme, I mean, overall, I think the point I'm trying to make is that his scheme just does not work. His scheme sucks. And who else runs a four, two, five Again, I'll say it again. Matt Patricia ran a four, two, five. That's the indictment on the scheme right there. I mean, and, and, and it's, you, you can see it in certain ways, like with the, with the type of players they bring in. Right. Yeah. Um, Mel Tucker's for the last, I don't know, however many years he's been a 30 front guy. Um, Saban and, and Kirby, they're 30 front guys. Um, and he came in and he brought in a guy who's a 40 front. So you have guys like Jacoby Winman um, and, and Jeff Petrowski is sort of a sim- similar build where it's like you have these sort of stand-up ends who are, you know, when when Winman came in, they saw, talked about him as a tweener with Brule, Brule, Brule. Brule, yeah. Um, same sort of thing. That's sort of, same sort of like ish tweener. But in the Hazleton system, they're just, they're just defensive ends. Um, they're just weak side defensive ends. That's not how that's supposed to work. These guys are supposed to be your Will Anderson types, right? But they're they're being asked to be what we would know as a Shalit Calhoun type. Um, and they're not getting protected by their defensive tackles, which means that you have to have more attention paid to the, to the running game, which means more people are out of position. All of this comes back to the idea that Mel Tucker has an identity as a defensive coach. We know what it is. We saw it happen for years. And he brought in a guy who does not align with him. Um, like, again, I, I, I go back to D'Antonio but you have to have a guy who knows who, who is in step with the head coach, even if he's not as good of a coach in some sort of ethereal random sets, right? I would rather a guy who knows what the, the, the program is supposed to be doing and does it than to have like a wonder kid. I'm going I'm to use an example here. Um, Josh Gaddis was supposed to be the greatest offensive coordinator mind of all time. He and Jim Harbaugh did not run the same scheme and it didn't work, um, which great. I enjoyed that, but like, that's the point. Now Jim Harbaugh has an offensive line coach running his offense and suddenly they look good. again. Alignment between head coach and coordinators is imperative. It's the reason why D'Antonio never got 
Matt Canada. He never got a downfield throwing offensive coordinator. He liked guys who controlled the ball. And I think Tucker has a guy he likes in Jay Johnson. I think that the offense does more or less what Mel Tucker wants, absent the obvious issue on, on you know, up front, which is more of a recruiting issue than a scheme issue. Defensively, I don't think there's any alignment. I think that there's probably consistent disalignment, misalignment between the two. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how you fix that short of the obvious. And I'm never going to call for someone's job um, after one game. But this isn't one game. This is, this is three years of Michigan State going from that is the scariest defense in the Big Ten to you want to set a, a, a career high because this is the game to do it in. And no fly zone to frequent flyer miles. Yeah. I mean, like, Darquez Denard has to be not happy watching this. I think Tony You Lippett saw it on out, Twitter. Yeah. You yeah. saw it on Twitter. Former players were like, what the hell is going on? I think it was, I think it was Naquan Jones and Tony, uh, Lippett. Tony Lippett. They were going back and forth. They were sick. They were sick about, about the defensive display. Because it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Um, for Michigan, and, and look, like I'm a big believer in be who you are, right? Like Baylor lost to BYU because they stopped being Baylor and they started being knockoff Wisconsin. Michigan State is built on a defense that is not shitty. Um, and, and, you know, look, D'Antonio did it. When he, was had, when he was uncomfortable with his corners, he put Tony Lippett, his best offensive weapon, at corner and said, we are going to fix this come hell or high water. And that's where we're at. you got to fix this somehow. And put that's Keon at corner. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, great. Great. It, but, but see, the thing is, you could put Keon at corner, corner and it wouldn't fix anything because this isn't a player issue. This isn't right. a Jimmy's and Joe's issue. It is a scheme issue. Amir Speed needs to be in a wide receiver's face on 90% of stats. If he bails out after that, fine, cool. You, you have to, you, you, you scheme how you scheme. But we are surrendering before the snap. Michael Penix was looking at the defense and saying, I'm going there. I'm going there. I'm going there. You know, there's no, there's no rotation coverage. There's no surprise pressure. I mean, I, did Michigan State bring more than five that entire game? No, I don't think so. Did they bring, I mean, how many times did they bring more than four? Twice. Very, I don't think they did. You know, I, and so, I would be surprised if they brought five once. I mean, I, mean, I was, I was a little drunk watching the game, but uh, I would be, I, I would be surprised because there, you weren't, you just weren't getting anywhere. I would, I would honestly like, like this is where, like as, uh, I would just like to ask Michael Penix if he ever had to, if he ever had to look at a second. If he ever had to check off, if he ever had to check down, if Michael Penix had to check down more than nine and a half times, I will eat my own boxers. There is no way he had to check down double digit times that entire game. Because they, the middle, the hash mark to hash mark was just, it was free. It was like, it was like a practice. It was like it was like the tutorial mode in Madden. It was crazy. I mean, philosophically, it's it's the exact opposite of what you want. Make Michael Penix beat your corners on the sidelines, and if he does it over and over again, fine. You are an NFL quarterback. We tip our hat. But he was getting it to tight ends in 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 ten yards of space. I mean, there, there was a I want to say it was just before just before the half. 
um, on that just backbreaking, and it was backbreaking. That backbreaking drive to go to to go to from twenty two to twenty nine, um, and that that was that was as I watched this game at two a.m. fairly buzzed after a concert was like, well, that's it. Like like I I it's just not going to get better from there. Um, there was a tight end who leaked out on third and five and had no one near, no one in frame. And that to me, that's, that's a scheme issue. Either, either you are such a poor co- coach that you have people who don't know where they're supposed to be and that's on you or because Qu- Quiveris Crouch isn't out there. There was nobody freelancing. You know, <laughs> you, you didn't, you didn't see people freelancing. You just had people being in spots that, they, that, that didn't make sense, but everybody was there, right? Like there's a, there's a coaching adage that if one guy looks like crap, he's probably crap. If everybody looks like crap, you're a bad coach. And that's, I mean, like, that's the, the pass defense. And the rush defense was annoying, but it was still moderately successful. I mean, because those guys are still, I mean, like, we're running out of them, but we still got D'Antonio defensive tackles and, and a D'Antonio inside linebacker. And, and when those guys are gone, who knows? But, you know, it's, 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 it is a frustrating experience that reminds me of the, the worst parts of the 2009 year where you were watching a defense and you said to yourself, they shouldn't look like this. This, this, There's too much there to look this shitty. But at least with in 2009, you said to yourself, okay, Narduzzi needs, needs this to look a certain way and he's going to play it come hell or high water. For this, it's like, what's the best case scenario of this defense? Freaking Iowa? Like, <laughs> what? And, and- our friend, sorry, Isa, our friend John Kirby um, tweeted out just before the second half started that uh, there were 323 yards possible for Washington to gain in the first half. They gained 322 of them. All but a, all but three feet they gained. And Lucas, you're out of frame, just in the corner. I would like to hear your thoughts because I know you're you're the old head here. You and Asa are the old heads. Asa brought up 2009, and you perked up like you're bricked up right now. So that, what's going on? That's what I was gonna say. Um, it it we're, the the defensive coordinator for MSU again is drawing the ires of fans, and this is different than 2009. I think that Narduzzi he showed moments of brilliance, like the scheme was working. And he was coaching with not necessarily all of his guys, like the John L. I don't think John L. had completely scraps. I think that team just gave up on him because he was a shitty coach. But it's it reminds me of 2009. But we hired a Big Big 12 coordinator, and we're not the Big 12. We're the Big 10. It's a different scheme. It doesn't work. And with Narduzzi, I was one of the few people saying, yeah, this sucks this year. But we weren't getting, like, we were getting torched a little bit, but like we still had moments where we were like, yeah, this is going to work out. Like there were still some games in 09 where we did really well. We might've lost them, but we did really well. And of course it paid dividends because look what happened in the fourth year and basically through the rest of his tenure. Um, this is different. I, I was watching that game. God bless my mom. She had the TV in like the kitchen for our game night. Um, for me, but uh, I really regret that decision. And, you know, we, we're sitting here 
giving Scotty Hazleton as much needed heat. Jay Johnson did not call the best game. Um, I don't understand why you keep running the ball when you carried it 28 times for 43 yards and an average of one and a half yards. Um, this is the type of game where when you're down 16, nothing, in my opinion, you throw away the playbook. It seemed like they were still doing some scripted drives. And uh, I did not understand that. That's when you tell Peyton, okay, we're, we'll mix in a run or two a little bit to see if this can jive a little bit. But you know what, buddy? It's in your hands. If you want to win this game, we're going to let you win it. Um, he threw 42 times, which blows my mind. It felt like he threw less than that. But the only positive I can take away from this game is that Peyton looked good. Uh, that one interception wasn't great. But he was at it was he was in his own end zone, and the game was already over. Yeah, the, the game was already over. over. Um, and at that at that point, he's just trying to make something happen. Yeah, there's dipshits on Twitter saying Thorne sucked, like that dumb bitch who tagged him in, in a in a tweet. Um, that's so you did not watch the game, or you just focus on offense, and you don't realize that our defense is literally the worst I have ever seen in my 17 years of watching this team. And that's in 2016. Off. Yes, this is worse than 2016. Ooh. The, we we lost well, to Ohio State by one point. Okay, that's wait. Cool. Are you? Are, are 20, 2016 was not one point. 2012 was one point. 20. No, we no. Lost. 2016 was one point two. Yes, yeah, yeah. 16. Yeah, it was a failed two point conversion. Oh, yeah, they went. Right. They went for two. Yeah, but I think 2012 was two actually. 2012 was was so I, I was trying to think about like most inept sides of the ball in my lifetime for Michigan State and uh, nothing will ever top the 2012 offense for me, uh, um, which was a champion like a literally national top, championship qual- caliber defense. Top five defense in the country, like yeah, man. maybe even top two. And all was, he needed to and all D'Antonio needed to do was play Cotter Cook from the jump. That's all. Yeah. That's if we, I think I did the math. If we scored like three more touchdowns, like 21 points, we bump up from six and six to 11 and one. Yeah. That, um, that just, that just makes my stomach churn. I mean, the only, the only team who, who beat Michigan state by multiple scores that year was um, Notre Dame. Anti Teo's Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. I was at that game. That sucked. Uh, I watched that. I watched that game. I remember watching that. My brother was coming off of a, uh, a uh, wisdom tooth. Uh, <laughs> got his wisdom to out. We were watching that game and it was just like a series of frustrations that he was passed out for. Um, uh, so, but I, I did some, I did some uh, research while you guys were talking. I let you guys cook and I did some research because Matt Sheehan brought this up on lockdown. I obviously didn't want to fire up his pod while we were recording. Um, I, I looked up how many people have had career highs are really close to it against Scotty Hazleton. Um, Aiden O'Connell by far is number one with 536 yards. Um, no, there's no game that's like remotely close. Michael Penix Jr., the, uh, this is his second highest game. He had like a 400-yarder with Indiana. Um, Derek King had his fourth best game. He, you know, Houston had those high-powered offenses, so that one was kind of not surprising. Um, I'm going to save the two, the two just biggest offenses – for for last um baby Tua, that's his fifth game they actually held him 350 yards so you know little golf clap for scotty um which 
And then Sean Clifford, this one impressed me, even with the snow. I thought he cooked us for more than this. 313 yards, which is his fifth best in the career still <laughs> in a snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, but when you consider how many game, how many college games Sean Clifford has yeah. played, like, team. a top like five. 85. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Like his game log was just huge. Like he was like, recruited by Joel Paterno. Like <laughs> I, w- I would love to know. Like, I feel like you're not 100 lying. Like I-, I would love to know what what percentile because like oh man, Talia's is like fourth, but that makes sense. Like Sean Clifford is like well, it was his fifth best game of all time, but it was a top four percentile game because right. he's played 130. And Bailey Zappi only played one full season of D1. Uh, he had his third best game at 488 yards. And the one that is just awful because this dude split care, split time with another quarterback. I think we all know who I'm going to say. Yeah. Hey. Family. Partner. Hey. Our brother. <laughs> Cade McNamara, 383 yards. His next best game is 253. <laughs> Jesus sorry Christ. that should get you that should have that should get scotty fired and on its own they could start cade for this game uh, next month and cruise like he could they could just be like you know how to beat these guys right and he goes yeah i'm just just don't put jj because he'll fumble it away the, the crazy thing about that stat is that like if you take away his biggest explosive play Cade McNamara still had a career high by 50 yards. Yeah. You take away 91 <laughs> yards. He still has it by 40 yards. That's, That's wild. Um, and then we obviously know the one, this is his third best game and not a very big percentage. And I think he's going to crush it um, in, a, in three weeks. CJ Stroud at halftime had 432 yards and six touchdowns. If Ryan Day really hated Mel Tucker, we could have seen a 700-yard game. We could have seen an 800-yard game, a game where the Heisman the Heisman committee's like, man, we might have to give him it based off of just this one game. But and that was 49-7 at halftime, and he had six of seven of their seven touchdowns. Um, I am of the opinion with UAC. I think I pointed when you said this. He's got three games. Um, if, if we look decent against Maryland and Minnesota and he some, I think the only way he's saving his job is if he beats Ohio state, like if his, if he cooks something up to beat these guys, he's saving his job. Other than that, I think this dude's dead man walking. I, I, when Mel Tucker, when you guys said it, when Mel Tucker said that changes are coming, I think that's a hint that, that it might not, it's not going to be mid season. But it's going to be like as soon as our bowl game's over. If Mel Tucker's a serious coach and wants to run a serious program, he'll fire Scotty Hazelton. I, I think if we're if we're two and four after we say we're say the wheels just completely fall. If we're two and four and CJ Stroud throws for six hundred yards on us, Scotty's ass is gone at the end of the night. Like before before midnight Saturday, October eighth, his ass will be out. He will be gone. Can we call that a, a Herm Edwards getting fired on the field? <laughs> yeah. Haller and Stanley or whoever the fucking board decides to replace them with those fucking assholes. Haller and yeah. Tucker should just do it. Just shake his hand at the, at the goal line right before you walk in the tunnel and just say, see ya. 
this is what like and and back to your point asa right <clears throat> these kids are these this is what pisses me off the most these kids are being failed right the the late d'antoni d'antonio didn't leave you much okay fine nobody was nobody's gonna nobody's gonna like nobody's calling for your head because you're not producing NFL talent on a regular basis in year three. But you have shown that you are able to use the transfer portal effectively. You have consistently found solid talent out of the transfer portal. If you got a mere speed, Chuck Brantley is no slouch. Ronald Williams is no slouch. Why are you still running a 4-2-5? You should be at a 4-3 or a 3-4. You cannot continue to... You, you just can't... No, no winning team runs a 4-2-5. None. Not in the history of college football. Not in the history of the NFL. The, you're failing these kids. Amir Speed is a national championship cornerback. Literally. He got he he was a rotation player on one of the best defenses in college football history. You cannot tell me that Amir Speed needs to play 15 yards off the ball. You cannot tell me that anybody on that roster right now, save for Chester Kimbrough, needs to play 15 yards off the ball. And if you need to play Chester Kimbrough out wide, he needs to become a DPI merchant. It's 15 yards until they change it to become a spot foul. If you're getting cooked and you see the ball coming, just fucking tackle the guy. 15's better than 60. I mean, I, th- I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's very clear, you know, and, and, and I want to go back to something about, about, you know, Jay Johnson didn't call a great game either. And you need to understand this, this, this points to like the worst impulses of, of, of this type of Saban tree coach, you know, Belichick tree coach, if you want to go back to it, um, which is we are, we are, we are going to establish the run. We are going to do what we need, blah, 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 whatever. Um, Tucker, the, the, the moment that Jarek Broussard um, slipped in the end zone like that, not your day. That's okay. You'll, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next time. If Jalen Berger is your guy, Jalen Berger is your guy. Fine. You want to give the ball to Elijah Collins? Fine. You know, you, you want to have Harold Joyner in for the rest of the game because you're just going to be airing it out? Fine. Jarek Broussard did not look like he was in Seattle on Saturday. And I'm not saying that as a criticism. You know, if your first carry is, is a safety, it's tough to come back from that. You need to protect your kids through personnel. You know, you, 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 you bring him back out. You see if he, you know, if he's got it, he didn't, that's fine. Roll with Berger. And if Berger's not getting it done, roll with Collins. And if Collins isn't getting it done, pass the ball. But I, I mean, you, 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 you play called yourself out of that game, you know, defensively. I mean, you were, you were down 16, nothing from the jump. Um, you know, and, and, and just from, from, from right, right away, you were under the gun. Um, 
but but you didn't do yourselves any favors. And like you know, like Lucas was saying, Peyton Thorne played well. I mean, at some point he was like tw- what twenty for twenty three or or, or twenty one for ten to start the game. Yeah, yeah he completed yeah. his first ten passes. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was he was playing well, and and the issues that he had with Keon um, in the first two games weren't really there. I mean, he was hitting his throws when when he wasn't pressing, he looked good. He was moving with his legs pretty well. Give yourself an opportunity to win the game. Um, our offensive line uh, couldn't block, could not move their 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 defense off the ball. Um, Bill Connolly's Washington. Sorry, couldn't get a push on him. No, Bill Connolly like tracks the stat like yards uh, before contact. Right, Washington had one point one. Sometimes you get like two point four, three if you're you know primary Wisconsin. We had negative point five. Our, our running backs were getting touched in the backfield on average. You're not going to be successful running the ball doing that. Just go full leech. Just throw mesh 15 times again, you know, 15 times in a row. Um, you know, and if you don't trust your, your, your wide receivers to get open, then you're screwed. You've, you've put a ton of effort into getting these guys who can catch the ball, Barker and Carr and Fitzpatrick and, you know, Bernard to, to a certain extent. Let them make plays. And if they can't make plays, what are we doing here? Um, because once, once that offensive line established that it, it, that it was getting little Boyd, you move on. And that, that's maybe the most disturbing part of this game was the inability to adjust on the fly. To that, um, point, to that point that you were saying about the running backs, if they're not getting involved and you want to throw the ball, this is an element, I think, of, of Michigan State's offense that I think has, has fail, have, they have failed to incorporate um, and you, you understand it a little bit last year with just the fact that Kenneth Walker could run the ball so much, but you have, one of the plays I saw was Jalen Berger cutting out of the backfield and being hit for a pass. And he took it like 25 yards up the field. Jarek Broussard is the type of guy that can make guys miss out of the backfield. Involve your running backs in the passing game. That This is an element of successful football teams is being able to throw to every player on their team. And I just don't see why it hasn't been a thing. I'm glad one thing that I will say, another positive that I think I do want to say is like, this was a very good Daniel Barker game. And that's another element of Michigan state's offense that I haven't seen since like Josiah price was a tight end, was a tight end body that you can throw to over the middle or throw to, you know, around the red zone. And it's a good thing that they finally have those, but they, I think that this offense needs to incorporate at it's, Using your running backs, not just straight up handing them the ball. I, I feel like you have that, you have that with Broussard especially. Berger is it's not really his game, but that's the thing is you can just let him, you know, you can give him a breather if you need to, and you want you want to use your running backs on passing downs. You can put Broussard in there for that. You can this even is, put Joiner in there. That Joyner's is that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty much Harold Joiner's specialty. He's not really a running back. Whenever you see Harold Joiner, they're just handing him the ball. And that man has no burst. If you're sending him out, then he's more effective. But if you're trying to use him as like a straight up running back, it just doesn't work that way. Kind of, it was kind of similar to like what Connor Hayward was. That was just something I wanted to throw in there that Asa was mentioning that I think made a lot of sense. Yeah, and and all we heard all off season. Now it's Jay's turn to get roasted. All we heard all off season was that Daniel Barker was finally going to bust the playbook wide open. Daniel Barker is the piece this offense was missing. Daniel Barker is going to let Jay Johnson run his full playbook how he wants. No longer going to be hamstrung. 
in series after series, we see 97 line up. We see, oh my, we continue God. to see Tyler Hunt. Oh, and no shade to Tyler Hunt. Okay. He tries hard. He is a classic D'Antonio, like head down grinder. But the guy who <laughs> we have heard over and over about this offseason started getting shine when the game was already over. He, it, Daniel Barker should be an every down tight end. And if you want to mix it up, throw in Malik Carr now and then because he's an excellent yes. receiver. Tyler Hunt is our new Brandon Sowards. You <laughs> should run. You should run 22. You should be in 22 personnel with Malik Carr and in Daniel Barker. And in the backfield, you have Harold Joyner and, and Jarek Broussard or Jalen Berger. And you run everything out of 22 personnel. I am an idiot. I spend the majority of the games hammered. I watch the majority of the games hammered. And I can see these glaringly obvious issues. That's what frustrated me so much about the end of the D'Antonio run is that I would be eight white claws deep up in the nosebleeds of of the Spartan Stadium student section. And I would go, oh, it's first and 10. Here comes a halfback draw off guard. (laughs) (laughs) I would be half asleep. And I would go, oh, it's 30 10. Here comes a pass. Here comes a pass four yard short of the sticks. Yep. Here's a Daryl Stewart bubble screen. Oh man. Um, but like, <laughs> like you you look at like Tyler Hunt. Um, I think Tyler Hunt is a nice player. You know, like if he's your third tight end, you're in great shape. Um he is a player. He is a football player. Yeah, he is a a, a football player. I, I think he, like I said, if he's your third tight end, I think you're in, in really good shape. The problem is is that um, they're treating him like he's your first tight end. If you're your first tight end, you've got problems. Um, you know, Barker and Carr are supposed to be these, you know, you know, like you were saying, like they're supposed to be these sort of joker tight ends that, that mess with defensive schemes because it's unclear if they're in 12 or 10 or 11. You know, is, is Carr a slot receiver here? What are we doing? Um, and especially with Jaden Reed out, there's no reason not to run two tight ends, right? Like, Jeremy Bernard and, and Christian Fitzpatrick are, are, are nice players, I guess, but like, they're not ready. They're not, they're ready. not, they're not there. You know, Bernard, Bernard, you can see it. You can see in, in a year or maybe two, he's a guy. He's not a guy right now. He's, he's, he's right there. You know, Trey Mosley, I think is good. I, I, I'm very happy with Trey Mosley as, as a two. Um, that touchdown think- that, that touchdown that Thorne threw to Trey Mosley was an absolute dime yep. and an incredible catch. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. And if he's actually your third wide receiver, right, he's going to be an outside receiver. Um, but if he's your third wide receiver with Coleman and, and Reed, you're in great shape, but their fourth wide receiver is nothing. And, and Jaden Reed wasn't there. You knew he wasn't going to be there. Right. Like on, on Monday, Tucker did his, he's sore. He'll be ready when he's ready, which is code for he's, he'll be back in three weeks. You didn't print him a boarding pass. Right. <laughs> like you knew he wasn't coming. Right. So just, and you had these plays. I mean, last year we ran most of our sets out of 12. Um, there, was, there was a ton of 12 or 21, depending on how you want to define Connor Hayward. But they had, they had those two wing tight ends over and over again last year. You have those plays, run them. 
Mosley and, and Coleman on the outside, Barker and, and, and Carr on the inside with, I mean, I'm going to prefer Berger at this point, but shit, I don't care. Berger, Broussard, Collins, Davion Prim, if he's still with the, like, I don't care. There are ways to structure this offense that make up for the fact, and we haven't mentioned it because it's so glaringly obvious and glaringly annoying, and there is no fix. The fact that you have an offensive line that is Mac level about when good Mac, good Mac, our old, our old, my old friend Jim, my good friend Jim. When, when do we start to have a conversation? about Chris Kaplovich. I don't think next year. Next year. Next year. Next year. year. I agree. I think if next year his guys are not banging through this depth chart and plowing guys over more, then we start to have the talk about is he the next guy to go? Because I think it's a safe assumption to say that Hazleton is going to be fired one way or another. Short of some miraculous turnaround, which because I am a fan, I'm going to say is possible. If, but, if they yeah. finish eleven and one and win the Big Ten title, unless 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 Scotty Hazelton turns into Buddy Ryan, I like short of that, we would need to finish ten and two at minimum. I mean, I'll I'll I'll, I'll take Rex Ryan with the feet thing. Uh, like I I you know whatever whatever you want, but. Short short of some sort of turnaround from Hazelton, um, I, I think he's gone. But but Kaplovich, I mean. This year was always going to, you could, you could have seen this year coming four years ago when we, when we were starting five retro freshmen at once with, or, or with, uh, you know, Campbell, Jarvis, Allen, um, I'm missing two here, but Higby. Uh, right. Higby was there. Um, like you, you saw this coming. We knew that this was coming and we knew last year was going to be the year where, where everything was supposed to gel. Um, next year, you're looking at a situation where you say, okay, um, we need, we need to have some guys ready to go. And if they're not, they're not. And, and that's something on, on Kaplovich. But, um, you know, I, th- I think that this team, and, and I'm, I'm trying to be reasonable about this, this team needs to get to eight and four. If, we're, if we are going to maintain any semblance of narrative as it relates to Mel Tucker, you know, whatever, eight and four is the minimum. Well, this was one of your toss-up games and you lost it. Next yep. week is one of your toss-up games. Got to have it. You got to have it. And luckily, Wisconsin looks like shit. Um, so like, that's, that's a game that I, I was a little more worried about three weeks ago than I am now. Um, but you've got three very difficult games left on your schedule and two fairly difficult. So you got to find some wins. I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm downgrading from 10 and two to eight and four. I, I think Ohio state is absolutely going to throttle us. Yeah. Um, I think Michigan is. Michigan's going to skull fuck us. They are going they are going to piss I'm, on our graves. I'm We're going to beat them. Onion trophy that I share with my father-in-law. That that buddy, that guy's going back to his house this year. Um, JJ is going to fucking destroy us. And I mean, it's I it's, in Penn State, Sean Clifford job, but like he's going to beat his 350 that he had against us last year. This is going to get ugly. I, eight and four is my ceiling, and we could be staring at six and six if things go wrong. Maybe even five and seven. So I think the thing is, is, is you look at this team and you say, you know, what beats them, right? And it's competent quarterback play. Now, luckily, and I'm not saying good quarterback play, competent quarterback play. I see about four left yep. on the schedule, yeah. right? If, if yeah. I've, I've got about four, um, you know, and like, look, like I'm not worried about Graham Mertz. Nope. 
Like I'm, I'm just not, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. Um, I'm, I'm not worried really about, I, I don't even know who Indiana's running out there. Like it, 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 it doesn't, you know, it's not what, whatever transfer uh, Greg Shiano's got. I like, I've watched them. They're not good. Probably Italian. I don't know. Probably. Um, <laughs> Gino Toretta. Um, but, <laughs> um, but you know, short, short of those teams, like, you have to say to yourself, like, okay, can we outscore Michigan? <laughs> no. No. Can we outscore Penn State? Maybe. It's they found a running back, which is which is which is a problem. They, yeah. um, they, I couldn't believe they beat the shit out of Auburn. Like and Auburn sucks, but like I mean, Auburn's not the, the easiest place to play at. Auburn's real bad. Yeah. Like they, they like like we That's like, an impressive win though, no matter what. I oh, now know nice yeah. I now know why the board tried to frame Brian Harson to get him fired for months. Yeah. I get it. I get I, it. I mean, like, although, although Auburn has a fun thing, just to talk about Auburn for a second, who are they going to go get? <laughs> like, oh, if you're, I, I, know, if you're I know who. I know who. Burt, baby. Prime time. No. Oh, yeah. Dion, that Mike Norvell is just warming. Mike Norvell is yeah. just warming Dion. Yeah. Dion is going to Tallahassee when Dion wants Dion's to Dion's going to Auburn. Yeah. And then in two years when Norvell gets canned, he's going to go to Florida State. That's going to be my prediction. Two I, years. Yeah. Whatever. Um, you know, next, okay, next year. Maybe maybe he, uh, Dion can pull like a George O'Leary and just like <laughs> get the job at Auburn. But before he actually coaches a game, just like go um, on over to Florida State. <laughs> and, I I do, and I do believe that Dion wants to grow exposure for HBCUs. I do, I do wholeheartedly believe that that's something he wants to do. And he's, and he's done a very doing, good job of it. And he's doing a fucking awesome job at it yeah, between the documentary series and like just having his son shred these schools. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Shadur Sanders, you are an Atlanta Falcon. I take it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know about Auburn, and all I know is, I mean, I don't know. It like I said, if when if you beat if you beat Minnesota fifty, I said this earlier, Ace. I don't know if you were here. If if we go out and beat Minnesota fifty nine nothing, but Tanner Morgan throws for three hundred and fifty yards, then that is still a failure. You still failed because you let a thirty seven year old man throw for three hundred and fifty yards on you. And Here's the thing with the Akron game where one fifty two nothing. That quarterback they had to start. DJ he was rolling. Was, he was cooking. He was, he was cooking. He was rolling. Yeah. Um. I I think the thing is with with this this team and at this point in in our season where we you know it's like uh, at every at every stage of the game you sort of have to get real with your own program. Um. Prior to this game, I said you know what coming off of the Akron game, I I, I talked to my brother and I texted him. I was like should I be holding Michigan state to a lower standard? Why am I pissed off about 52 to nothing? And he's, he's older than I am. And he's from like the, I am annoyed because Bill Burke is throwing the ball, which is, which is way older than, than 2009. Like we're going back to the, the mid nineties here. And he said, yes, because he's watched enough Michigan state to know which teams are, are going to do something and not. And he was like, you should, you should not be that upset about 52 to nothing. So if Michigan state goes out and rolls Minnesota, I, I don't think that this is going anywhere beyond where it's going. So if it's the difference between the Outback Bowl and the Gator Bowl, like, okay, 
you know, I'd like the holiday bowl because I'm in Southern California. So that would work for me. But like beyond that, like, I don't, I don't think that this is a New York six, New Year's six team. I don't think that this is a big 10 title contender. Um, I think that it's a team that I would love to get to eight and four. I would love to get to nine. And if, if, if we could somehow get to nine and three Panic. and try to get double, double digit wins on the season. Cool. Great. That would be nine awesome. And, nine and three means we knock off one of Michigan, Penn state or Ohio state too, which would be nice. Right. Right. And, and look, Michigan state is good for these games because like, say what you will about our, you know, our bullshit. Like we get up for big games, like for years now we've gotten up for big games. It's, it's, it's around the West coast. Right. Well, you know, we, we go to sleep early and, also, and that's gonna, and that's gonna be, that's, that's, that's an issue now. That is a legitimate sort of issue. program wide issue. Now I'm so sick yeah. of the whole quips that Mel had throughout the week. Like you're only sleeping a half hour on the plane. You know, we're going to have our, our fit, our training and nutritionist ready. Like now I just look back and I'm like, I'm tired of listening to that shit, man. I want to go one week without it. Like I get it. It's a big game West coast, but like, shit, we got our fucking asses kicked. So maybe we should have slept on the planes. Shout out Ace. Maybe we should have slept more. Maybe we should, should let the players do whatever the fuck they want. Get adjusted to the time zone. I mean, the, the thing is, is that you didn't need to adjust. It was a, it no. was a night game. It was, it was a, a night game. It was yeah. a 7.30 kick. Yeah. They, they have those games how many times this year? Three, four? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it, they're, they're, they're not my age, right? Like, they can stay up till 11. It's fine. They can um, sleep on the plane ride home. Yeah. Like, and so, like, the, the, the thing is, is that you can use these sort of like sports science things in sort of a macro thing, but on a micro moment, it's like, you just needed to be ready for Michael Penix. Now, if you thought we were going to get this Michael Penix and it was that Michael Penix, it happens. Sometimes you get dealt. That wasn't what this was. And so like it, what, what it ends up being is like you spent time at some, some percentage of time you spent thinking about sleep when you weren't thinking about, how are we going to deal with the fact that our cornerbacks can't cover anything? And I, until that's the thing. And, and that's where I'll disagree with you, Asa. I do think our cornerbacks, a lot of our cornerbacks are good in coverage. The problem is they're being failed by the scheme. They yeah, I mean, I are not, they are not living up to their potential because they're being chained to a system that doesn't allow them to live up to their potential. Yeah. I mean, right. That, that, I mean, I, I agree with that, but like the, the thing is, and, and ultimately like, I, I don't want to sort of dwell on, you know, you don't let a, a, a one, one, one day, one bad day turn into three bad days or one loss turn into two losses. Um, but you got to fix it because the, the, the book is out for two years now. How do you beat Michigan state? You just throw the ball. Um, and you know, you look, I, I, I'm not concerned about stopping the run. You know, I think Cal Halliday and those defensive tackles, like they're on it. You know, our defensive ends are, are good enough that it's not, we're not going to get gashed the way that some teams can. Um, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I am very concerned about the safeties. I'm very concerned oh. about the, the, the way that we look in coverage. And I think part of this is you've got guys back there who, I mean, you've got a rotation of a guy who's not good enough, a guy who's playing D2 two years ago, and a true freshman. Once you get past our linebackers, um, it's it, it's open season. Yeah. Just based on the stupid scheme this guy's doing. And 
I was sitting there like my mom, my in-laws and my mom and stepdad and my wife and like, like the TVs are behind them and we're, we're down 20 to nothing and they close it on Hazleton. I'm just like, I have to bite my tongue so hard as to what I want to say. I'm like, leave his ass in Seattle, man. They should have just left. They should just pull Lane Kiffin, leave him on the tarmac and be like, figure your own way home. You're making a million bucks a year for this bullshit. Yeah, get out. Get the hell out. You can pay me a lot less yeah. to be a shitty defensive coordinator. I can do it too. Yeah, I could do it. I would just do Ask Madden and then replicate that on the field. That's That'd be better than what Hazleton does. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things you can do with a million dollars that don't involve getting humiliated on national television. And you know what? Fair. And you know what? Like, people are saying SD was right because I, I was like a psychopath calling for <laughs> Hazleton's head last year. Maybe Cravera's couch was right. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. I'm going to do what I think is right here. Exactly. And yeah, you know what? Cravera's couch looked pretty goddamn good. He, Quiveris, saved us. he saved us in the Michigan game, too. Sure did. Quaveris Crouch was a hero. I just couldn't see it. Quaveris Crouch and SD meme uh, Thanos gift. They called me a madman. Quaveris uh, Crouch was the villain who lived himself, who lived long enough to see himself become a hero. He wasn't the he wasn't the hero we he wasn't the hero we wanted, but he was the hero we needed. Yeah. We miss you, Q. Um, I, I was gonna I was back. gonna say something there, but you know. But let's let's just let's wrap this up, you know, by talking about this week. Um Minnesota. I think we're a one point favorite now. It opened up at Minnesota plus one. I yeah, I moved really quickly to Michigan State minus one. So I I think that tells me two things. Okay. So if you get rid of home points, Minnesota's a favorite, um, which is justified because they're three and and they've put up almost 600 yards a game against completely garbage opponents, but our defense Washington is pretty garbage, did the same so. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. I'm, but like, I'm still nervous, but that t- also tells me, I don't think Reed's playing. Oh, do you, do you think, do you think he's playing? I, I don't, I don't think he is. Do we know what the specific injury area is? Have they nope. even released that? They haven't even released nope. that. It's, so, Mel so says the, nothing. Something to the Mel, back. The, the, the rumors around the way are that when he got, when he slid in, he like sliced open his back. So he yeah. got like significant amount of stitches on his back. So they're just essentially, it's just like waiting for them to heal to the point where if he gets hit, they don't split open and he's bleeding all over the field. Um, so it's like, it, I don't think he's hurt, hurt, right? Like, I, I don't think it's like, a we have to rehab this. I think it's just like, it's, it's a cut. It's a cut that needs to heal. Right. And so, what, so what, did he get that injury when he slid on the sideline? Must've cut himself on the bench. He cut himself on the bench. Yeah. Is, is, I mean, it's the rumor. Nobody knows anything ever. We need to put but, rubber guards on the ends of these stupid benches. Yeah. Like baby, 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 baby proof the side. Oh no, because it happens all the time. Guys run into these benches all the time, and they're just un—they're just like sharp metal. Like I always thought that was crazy. Like that's a remnant of like the you got jacked era of football. Literally, just go to Home Depot and buy like rubber guards before the game. Pool noodles. Just tape fucking pool noodles to the end of the bench. Duct tape the pool pool noodle and cut it. Go buy pool noodle at the Ollies on Waverly Road. And just cut it and put it into sections. There you go. There's your, there's your, that's safety. Like we're, we're looking at helmet safety. We need to look at bench safety because, you know, it's costing us our good boy, Jaden Reed. Um, yeah. I'm done predicting scores. I'm done predicting if we're going to win or lose. 
um, because it's gone horribly for me on both pro and college levels. So what, what do you guys think? Okay. We'll wrap it up by saying, Asa, you're going to start. What do you want to happen and what do you think will happen? And if you want to say a win or loss, that's fine. Go for it. I'm not. Uh, I mean, I want a win, but what I, what I want to happen, what I want to see is I want to see this defense play. And like, I don't know how to put this other than how I'm going to put it. Um, unafraid, not scared. Like I want this defense to play like they are not scared. And look, Minnesota's down their number one wide receiver, right? They're not a prolific passing offense to begin with, but they're down their number one, okay? This team is built to lose to you. Don't be afraid. Attack the offense, right? Set your own terms. Um, I don't want so 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 if you if you actually want what I what I don't want, I don't want Mo Ibrahim to have to touch the ball more than 20 times. Because if he touches the ball, if he if he gets 20 carries, something horrifically bad has happened. Um, I want them behind the chains. I want them in uncomfortable. I want Tanner Morgan having to win this game. Now, what do I think is going to happen? I think Michigan State is going to win like a 35 to 32 game that all of us are going to Oof. be furious about. Wow. We are, we are going to come away from this game saying, like, like I'm going, well, I, I can tell you like my internal thought process after this game, which is we won and we covered. <laughs> this team is going to get humiliated next week. That's what I think I'm going to come off of um, next, you know, next Saturday night. What I, I don't know what time the kick is, but 3.30, 3.30, our time. Great. Okay. So, so yes, Saturday oh. night at 2 a.m. when I'm watching this game, <laughs> um, I, you know, feel, I, anybody who's, who's watching along, uh, you know, at, on Twitter at 2 a.m. Eastern, uh, you know, I can live tweet it for you if you want to see it happen in real time uh, 12 hours later. But <laughs> I think, I think it's going to be a disappointing win. But I'll take a disappointing win over an encouraging loss any day, Texas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Carter. Um, what I want to see is just, please, they're not going to stop it. So what I want to see is less of this zone. And I think it's, I think this is kind of, I'm going to be saying the same thing Asa is saying in like a different way, but like, if you're playing that zone, that means you're afraid of these receivers on Minnesota. And without Chris Ottman Bell, none of them should scare you. Um, and it's like, and it's like he said, like this team is built to lose to you. Like if if Minnesota is handing the ball to Mo Ibrahim and Cam Potts like 50 times, they shouldn't win the game because you are built to stop that. So you have to make Tanner Morgan beat you and you have to not be afraid of Tanner Morgan beating you. And you really shouldn't be afraid of Tanner Morgan beating you. So you have to trust your personnel in the secondary to be able to man up against these Minnesota receivers, because outside of Chris Ottman bell, I cannot name a single one. And you need to, if you lose that, then clear, then it's like very obvious that you're not a good football team. And then, and that'll be shown. Um, I think this will be one kind of similar to what we saw in 2017. Like it, like they could be rolling for a while yeah. and then maybe, you know, they get up by a little bit and then they drop back into that zone and then Tanner Morgan completes a couple passes in a row. And all of a sudden it's a one score game, but Michigan state does enough to win the game. Um, that's what I think happens. I think it'll be like another one of those games where like you're comfortable with the lead, but then stuff starts to kind of fall apart. But you do just enough to hold on. And again, I think we'll be a little bit upset about it. Not a little bit. We'll still be concerned because the week after that, you have Lil Tua and you have 
Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Dimas Jr. I, I want, I to me, the defense is a lost cause. Until Scotty Hazleton is fired, I am I, I have given up on the defense doing anything productive. Outside of Jacoby Winley, I have completely the the defense. You might as well throw. You might as well throw. You might as well throw. You might as well grab eleven random students from the deep end and throw them in pads and throw them out there. That's how I feel about the defense under Scotty Hazelton. What I want to see, I want to see Peyton Thorne carry over his performance from Washington into this game. Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne finally looked like the Peyton Thorne we all know and love last week. And he got hit a lot. And I just hope that he doesn't get gun shy and goes back to overthrowing and throwing off his back foot and rushing throws and, and making mistakes he shouldn't be making. I I want to see Peyton Thorne play like play like we all know Peyton Thorne can play. I think I I'm I'm in a hundred I'm in lockstep with Asa. This is gonna be a win where you go, I don't want to hear anything positive come out of Mel Tucker's mouth. I want to hear we won the game. That's fine. We still look like shit. That's gonna be that's that's gonna be the type of game it's gonna be. I'm 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 a hundred percent with you there. So. I'm I'm with you guys. I want to see the defense play nasty. I want to see them hit hard. I want to see the confidence, but um, it's a show me game. You show it to me. I, I want to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that there's going to be some random ass receiver from Minnesota who has a career day against us. That seems to happen at least once or twice a year, no matter how good we are or how bad we are. Um, and I think we're going to win 35 to 34. The, the wide receiver I think we're going to be for. losing until the last second. And then Peyton Thorne to, to um, Keon or Trey is going to win the game. Like, it's going to be one of these games where, like, we're down at halftime and the Boo Birds are coming, and then somehow Peyton Thorne just miraculously throws for – he's going to throw for four touchdowns and win the game for us. Dylan Wright is the wide receiver who will go off against us. Okay. Yeah. I remember that name. Dylan yeah. Wright, junior from Dallas. Career, I think he has, like, 400 yards in his three years at Minnesota. Bingo. He'll go for 125. Yeah, he'll go for at least 125 and have, like, some bomb catch to put them up early. He's going to have, like, a 75-yard touchdown to start the game. Number five. Can't wait. I'm sure he'll be coming towards us in the end zone since uh, Carter's going to be sitting with me for this game. Um, yeah, you know, like I, I thought about for a sec. I'm like, do I want to sell some of my tickets? I'm like, no, I paid, I paid the money. I'm going to watch it. And I like tailgating. Like, I really enjoy that. So it's hard for me to give those up. But, um, you know, I, I think eight and four is what we should strive for as fans and what we should think is realistic. Um, if you, if you are confident in nine and three, tell me which one of the three big boys beats us. Tell I me. honestly think if you beat Maryland, you bust out the program when hats, like straight up. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> pull them out of, pull them out of like, there's probably a box with extra ones sitting somewhere. Yeah. You can just pull them out of Sparty Stadium and dust them off. <laughs> or Mike Sterner's uh, Sparty Mike can give his back to uh, 
the program for sure. We can have, we can collect them like a hat trick. Like we can throw them onto the field for the Ohio state game. And those guys can have them and savor that moment forever. If you go into college, if you go into college park and you manage to beat Maryland, whether you just like beat them in an off, you beat them in like a big 12 style shootout, like the Patrick Mahomes Baker Mayfield game, <laughs> or like you somehow managed to slow uh, baby Tua and the offense down. Like that is in like the program win hats was a funny joke, but that's legitimately like a program win. Like how you, It's how you maintain, maintain momentum. And, and that's sort of like what we need right now. Um, I mean, look, if we're four and two going into Ohio state, I will be ecstatic. Like, that's where I'm at. And, and like the, I expect the, five and one in Ohio State, and then uh, second half of the season, not going to be the greatest. Five and one going into Ohio State would be nice. Yep. We'll be ready. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it, but okay. Or four and one. Speak it into existence. That's what I'm doing. I'm not saying we're going to beat Ohio State, but I think we're going to be five and one and ranked in like the low teens, early 20s. And then. Uh, CJ Stroud throws for 500 yards before halftime. And, you know, then we finish three and three and maybe we get another pinstripe bowl championship under our belt. Which final, co- final comment, Lucas, because I, you got to practice late nights. So we're going to start stretching your legs out here now. Um, final comments are, uh, I'm just going to combine it. Like um, Mel, this is, this is the year where you can prove that you're not D'Antonio and be loyal to guys that don't deserve it. This is it. This is your year um, because year four is make it or break it for most coaches. And I know it's not your year four, four, but it is your fourth year. So um, show me, you mean business, fire this bastard, whether it's three weeks from now or three months from now, do it. My final comment is uh, it's cute when Michigan fans try to be, try to be mean to Michigan state because no one can be meaner to Michigan state than Michigan state fans (laughs) at halftime in the Washington game. There were 15 fire Hazleton accounts already booted up. Half of the fan base had already changed their display names to fire Hazleton. Zanjo's new name on Twitter right now is Scotty Hazleton is poop. (laughs) No one. You can try all you want to be me to Michigan State. You won't even have an eighth of the venom that Michigan State fans have. You can't hurt me any more than I've already hurt myself. <laughs> I mean, like it, you know, we the whole like deep water thing, like it's it's like a nice cute little thing, but like part of that is like we live in this shit. Like you can't you you, you don't want to come down to the muck. We are the Star Wars. We are the Star Wars fans of college athletics. No <laughs> one hates. No one hates Michigan State athletics more than we do. That, that might be the title of the pod. That's a perfect <laughs> analogy. Yeah, I was going to name it group therapy with Asa, but man, that's a contender. I might put that in like the description. Sorry, Carter, you're fine. <laughs> My final thoughts are. I think that this is the most pivotal game of the season right now. This game tells you what type of team you are. Like this game determines, I think, well, maybe not, you know, the one game, but, you know, save for the Ohio State game, this game determines what the rest of your season looks like. 
How do you bounce back from an embarrassing loss where you just got outplayed for literally the entire game? That that this is where this is where teams are made. And this is a team that has been priding itself on its ability to respond to adversity. So you're right back in it. This should be your sweet spot. So go ahead and do it. That's what I'll say. All right. I think we're all on the same page. I mean, we were going to talk NFL and MLB. We can do that another day. This was a good group therapy, like kind of airing our grievances, like a Festivus episode. Um, so Asa, you want to plug your stuff again? Do, do your thing. Sure. Uh, we, uh, we're uh, touchlines and touchdowns. Um, we talk uh, soccer and football. Um, we will have uh, a preview of the next uh, international window on uh, coming to your uh, to your streams uh, Thursday morning. We'll have an immediate reaction to the uh, the friendly against uh, Japan on Friday midday. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Diamonds Esquire. The the uh, podcast account is at TLS underscore N underscore TDS. Um, and thanks for having me guys. It was, it was, uh, I needed this. I, I, I needed to do this. Cathartic. <laughs> it was very cathartic. Like I, okay. this is good for me long-term. We, we got to have you on more. I'm, I'm, I'm fine recording this late at night. I just like go to, I usually am like in bed by nine 30. So like <laughs> my brain's trying to keep up with like the rest of me, but like, um, yeah, it, it, this was good. We got to do this more. Um, and then next time, hopefully we're talking like, Hopefully next time we be on, it's after a win, so we can like burn through it, and then you guys can talk football. Like I call it football instead of soccer, um, <laughs> and you know we can talk like other things that's that are going on. Well, uh, luckily we're we're down multiple center backs, so <laughs> I don't understand um, that. Well, uh, center backs. Yeah. So our our um, the U.S. men's national team is like down to our third string main defenders, it's going to be a really big problem. They're playing Chester Kimbrough on the back line, basically. Oh, They're no, we're them. we're firmly into Cade McDonald territory no, we'll here. Have you on next time, we're going to do, like, discuss fo- discuss soccer, but put it in American football terms for me. <laughs> okay. Like the, Twitter t- like the Twitter trend right now. Uh, yeah, explain, explain in Fortnite terms. <laughs> All right, Asa, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, Thanks so much, guys. Fellas, go green. Go white. Go white. Go green.